Hi, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mastering Agility, a podcast series with and for inspiring agilists, bringing you the best of the business. This podcast series is brought to you by agilitymasters.com, providing you with all the agile coaches and scrum masters you need. Make sure to go to the website to subscribe to the newsletter in order to stay up to date with the latest information when it comes to this podcast. Hi, Patricia, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. Again, again. I wonder if people will be tired of me. <laughs> Let's wait. Wait for the feedback. Oh boy! Hey, okay. Today we're not talking about Scrum specifically. What are we talking no. about? Um. Well, you and I have had a lot of conversations about Scrum and Agile in the workplace, and um, one thing that we landed on that I hope. Um, I hope I hope the listeners will find some value and it's really around this notion, especially during this time around burnout, depression, shame. Um, and we must just have some sort of energy where we're talking about and we could be super honest and transparent about those things. And I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, what we preach and talk about in the workplace. Right. So this transparency and um, being able to work together and collaborate together in teams. I think we, we we've got to look a little bit about at what's going on in our environment right now and how we're feeling about ourselves. And yeah, it's a big, big topic. And I've recently done some work um, and some research around um, shame, but also, you know, these notions of oppression and, you know, just been reflecting a lot about what 2020 has meant to us um, in the future um, how we conduct ourselves as professionals and our families. So there's a lot going on there. And, and I know you're thinking about some of that same stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, looking at, looking back at this weird year, what has been the biggest takeaway for you when it comes to this? Um, <laughs> it's the same question that I try to ask everybody. And then when I've been thinking about it, it's been super hard. Um, <laughs> I think... I have, I have a high bullshit detector, right? Like detection system. I'm just like, that's, that's my thing. And I'll call bullshit real quickly, or I'll smile at you and you won't know. But the, um, like you sense that, right? It takes one to know one. And I think for me, it has made us less tolerant. This, this where we're, we're locked home alone, less tolerant of like bullshit of crap. Right. Um, but the thing is, is now that we're trying to open back up or, you know, luckily for, you know, where you and I live in the United States, and the Netherlands, uh, we're starting to open it back up. There's a f- interesting question for me of how do we start to conduct ourselves in that manner? Right. Because our interactions are virtual. Our interactions have been mostly with our close ones. And so we can stop things quite quickly or be honest or however we want to however we want to conduct ourselves. Now, when we're like in groups, how are we going to deal with that? That's going to, are we going to get super irritated? Is it going to be really nice to deal with people? Like, how do you deal with those emotions that, that were different? But um, I don't know if that's the, the biggest takeaway I have, but it's, it's kind of an interesting thought for me because personally, I probably have to <laughs> conduct myself in a more patient manner and kind manner. I'm completely with you on that part. Um, I'm actually having specific meetings with my teams just about this topic. I mean, we've been working from home uh, a year and a half when we go back to the office. There are people that have just been started recently that don't know the team even yet. Um, I only met my teams once since I started at, uh, at working at Nike. We got to go back. Um, the, the level of trust is completely different when you're working together and when you actually physically together able to see each other like trust is built not in these meetings in zoom but it's it's on the way to work uh, it's during the lunch breaks the walks the walks that you have outside or just at the coffee machine those mm-hmm. are the moments that you all miss you're now in a very high execution state where you go into the matter and the, con- the content of the product uh, but really the human connection parts that mi- that's missing out and that's uh, i guess also what we're both talking about at scrum day europe um 8th of July by the top, from the top of my head. Um, I think so. I don't remember. <laughs> yes, in July. Yeah, we're Somewhere both, in the beginning we're, of we're July. Both, 
re-entering the workforce and also what does it mean for the future of work and the future of uh, agile and, and stuff like that. So you're bringing up a really good point around trust, like building that trust and having new team members join, which, which, which I've encountered too. For me, I have seen um, some people back in the office, like we can go in occasionally, right? A little bit of a hybrid model. And I literally, the first time that I saw some, I didn't know, like, should I, should I touch that person? You know, do you, what is that? Like, do I stay away? How do I, is it, it's so different. The, you see them virtually and then you see them maybe with a mask on or something. And then you're trying to figure out how to encounter. But the, um, the one thing that um, I thought you brought up that was interesting was how do we deal with um, like burnout and how we've dealt with burnout in the past and how is it different now? Because I, I want, there are people and we've encountered this where there was no stop. And if you have children, you're really not stopping, right? You're working, you're, you're, you're doing your family stuff, and then you're working again. And that's a cycle. And I have a lot of friends who have actually quit because of that. Um, they've just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Um, uh, most of them women, by the way, uh, as we know, who are, who are mothers. Um, what, are you, what are you thinking about in terms of that kind of stuff? Are you noticing burnout in your teams? Uh, not only in my teams. I mean, I've been through a burnout myself. And... Um, interestingly enough that i think that was one of the best experiences that i have ever had not not the burnout itself but rising from it but to take a little step back i used to i always wanted to become a project manager and i always saw these guys these these high level project managers right driving in in a very fancy bmw or mercedes <laughs> these guys were admired throughout the organization i felt like ah oh, this is a, that's something that I want to do too. It looks so cool, the, the things that they're doing. So I tried to strive for that and, and work myself, completely overwork myself, stay in the office really late. And even after that, do some courses and, or read a book or whatever, everything, anything that really contributed to myself becoming a project manager until the point that people started saying, hey, maybe you need to slow down. You don't look, really look good. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, mm. even my wife started saying you look a little bit tired maybe uh maybe take a little break and, and even people in the office are saying hey the things that you're displaying now i had the same thing just before i burn out and even at that point i was like burnouts are for other people those are for weak people that's not me i i can uh. go on forever until the point that i fainted when i was uh walking to my uh, to the office i was maybe maybe they're they might be right so i went to see a doctor and indeed he said yeah too bad for you buddy burnout so i went to see uh, a therapist i had a burnout coach a field coach from work and then all the whole shabam to really be shaken up and stirred inside out and um, ultimately figured out that I was completely looking in the wrong direction when it comes to my energy, what moves me, why I want to do stuff and my motivation in life and these kind of things. But the funny thing is, if you think about it, the way that our university or scholarship is set up and even the way that we're brought up, no one has ever mentioned to me, please tell me if you have a different experience, but no one ever tells me you got to do something that makes you feel energetic, that gives you more energy than you pour into it. Um, it seems at this point that we're all having to pass in a high level. We got got to get the best grades so that we can go to um, to the best top level universities. We can get a high paid job, high status. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really contribute to a fulfilling life or to an energetic job or those kind of things, which are way more important. Mm -hmm. But I do feel there is a huge taboo still on this specific topic, saying, "Hey." I can't cope anymore. And mm -hmm. I guess that's, that's also part of the shame that, that you want to hide that you're not able anymore to say until the year and not further. Yeah. I mean, that's like, there's so many things in terms of how we view our paths linearly in terms of what we're supposed to be doing and who we're supposed to be doing it for. Um, there's, you know, for you to share that story and just is already a big step in saying now everybody knows. Um, 
knowing you a little bit, like personally, I think that there's something interesting about this drive that you have. And there's like, I want to do the, be the best and do the best that, you know, work I can for this purpose. And what it sounds like is that you had that experience where you said, I am driving myself, but is that all really worth it? And so, you know, maybe it was project manager before, but what does that mean for you today and to get out of it? The thing that that's interesting um, also to me, um, and you brought up the word shame is some of the, the research and some of the workshops that I've been doing around that um, is the ability, first of all, to be vulnerable. So uncovering it, uh, talking about it like we are is, is, is bringing some life to that. And just, you know, what is, what is pushing us down? What is making us feel like it's not, it's not acceptable to just be tired or to be whatever. And there's this book, it's called Letting Go of Shame. It's an older book. So, you know, people talk about Brene Brown. This is, um, she has great stuff. This is, this, this is a book, uh, older one. It's called Letting Go of Shame, um, Understanding How Shame Affects Your Life. And it's by Potter Efron. And they talk about how um, shame comes from four areas. And I've asked people to think about where um, they think that, some things have come up for them there. And it's about family. The second one is relationships. The third one is culture. And the fourth one is self. So what is it that has applied those things to us that have um, made us feel less than or made us react the way that we do? So um, I'm Asian American, right? There's a lot of family and cultural things that have come down. Culture could be about gender or um or, you know, sexual preference, or it could be about how much money you have, you know, relationships, it doesn't have to just be with your partner or your wife or your husband, but it can also be about, you know, that asshole bully at your company that you had that interaction with that has made you like, you know, really hate working with certain types of people. There are so many things that drive that. And I think when we start to think about those things, then we can start to uncover, why do I feel like I need to do this? Why is it when someone says this to me, I feel so upset, like I'm not, I'm not me. Um, and so when you're talking about right now, like the burnout and our, our fear of showing that we're burnt out or that we're just not happy, you know, I think for companies to think about mental health is, is, is good because it's saying, how are we how are we really respecting the people that show up for work? Um, so that, th those are, those are some, some things to consider. Why are these, these things so important to you? Why do you feel so passionate about them? It's so, um, I think it's important to me because um, we're human <laughs> and we want to, we want to do it. And I, and for me, it was working through my own journey, which has been slow, but it's also just been, maybe over this year or two years, like realizing like, why the heck am I with the way I am? And why do I react to certain things? Why do I get so angry about these things? And it was really about looking, looking in because right now we're not children, right? So the people that are going to take care of us is us. And we do that within community. I come from a mission-based, you know, um, motivation, a community-based motivation. And so when when we want to be better and we can do that together, um, you know, we think about this relationship between selfishness and, and altruism. I think there's some interesting things there where it, it talks about how do we work together as professionals to work in teams. And I'm not at all like kumbaya, we have to be super happy and we're going to hug. I'm not that, that type of person at all. As a matter of fact, um, after I did my first uh, shame workshop, I think I'd talk to you. Um, it was like completely, I felt like it was out of my system and I felt very numb and I was talking to my coach and I said, you know, is, is was that just because I like to, to talk and really research about new things? And she said, Oh honey, she said, you are having a vulnerability hangover. And I was like, what, what? <laughs> I'm only familiar with alcohol hangover. What? And it was just because as I'm not that type of person, because it's new for me. It was like, I was just like, it was a lot flooding through my system. The journey though, I've learned so much um, and I'm still trying. Um, and I, and I hope that for other people, because, you know, that allows them to be their authentic selves um, and realize that it's not about them. Like there's nothing wrong with, with us and think about how that affects 
you know, generations and the people we, we mentor and our teams and the children that we have, you know, how do we pass on and not pass on some of those bad behaviors? Um, you know, to keep it with, with the term shame, do you feel that we should be ashamed that apparently this, these ways of thinking are perceived to be abnormal? Do I think that we should be ashamed that like this way of thinking is abnormal? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're human. This is part of all, the, the way that we are as people. And yet there seems to be a taboo in having these kind of thoughts or having shame of a burnout, for instance. Why is this not accepted? Well, you know what? Maybe it is accepted. It might be our perception that it's not accepted. Or it depends on the company that you work for. So if your company that you work for is, you know, we're a bunch of robots and we go forward together, maybe it's not accepted. If you're working for a company that like I came from finance, it was play hard and work hard. It might not be accepted because of that background. If you work for a company where it's like, uh, I need a mental health day because I am not, I'm not contributing value, then it might be accepted in a different way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I also wrote my, my, my story that I just told you um, on Medium. Um, and I got these these responses like, oh, that's so powerful and you're so open about it and it's really courageous of you to, to do so. I wish more people would do it. And those were the general type of feedback. So that's why I asked you the question because apparently that makes me stand out in that regard that I'm open about it. I think you do. I think you do stand out. I mean, for me... I am a very, um, I'm easy to talk to, but I'm probably not as, um, I'm very expressive, but I'm not as like vulnerable in that sense to share that story. You know, even, even like thinking about those things, I'm not, I'm not ready. And so I don't know if it's a taboo or if it's just like the, the work that you've done on yourself, Sandra, and that's helping people like me think about those things, like, and where we can start to talk about now, you know, probably a lot of us. And I think, I think COVID and being locked in and personally, you know, there's still people around the world experiencing this lots of at least low grade depression, right? Because we're doing the things though, that way things have changed. There's death. There are people fighting. There are people who just hate each other, you know, with all the things that were going on in politics and all this stuff that is at least going to drive some low date to grade depression being isolated, right? We're social beings. How much can this virtual thing go on or not? Some people like it, some people don't, you know, what is, what does that mean? There was a point where, you know, I do a lot of public speaking and I said, wow, um, obviously I'm, I'm a little bit extroverted introverted, but the, um, I felt like I was talking to a wall and I was like, I'm not getting feedback. This, this is like not fun for me. What am I doing? And I, cause I'm trying to relate to people, you know, and how do I get that expression? So that was, that was making me a little bit depressed or questioning what I was doing. What did you do with it? I mean, what did you do with these kind of thoughts? How did you process them? And, and... I told everyone. <laughs> I, I actually, I did. I said, you know what? I said, I need to park today. I don't know what's going on. And then I was thinking about it. And then I asked other people. And then I said, you know what? I'm feeling this way. Are you guys feeling this way? Um, and and shared some some things. And so that 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 helped a little bit to think about it and how to interact. All right. Tell me about these, these shame workshops that you mentioned earlier. Like, do well, you make people feel ashamed or do you help people deal with shame? No, it was, um, it was an experiment, to be honest. We thought I did it with, a, um, with another PSC, professional scrum trainer, Jill Graves. And we, we just thought that it was, you know, there's a lot of conversation around diversity and inclusivity. And so for a woman in Agile Conference, we did this because one, I think it would be um, helpful for people to, for people, someone to put this on the table and say, here, here's this conversation. If you are willing to interact, let's do this. And also, so a little bit of cathartic, right? So the way to release shame is to talk about it. And it was also helpful for, for us to share some of those, those stories of what's happened to us. For instance, one was when I talked about culture as a first generation American here, um, 
from you know Chinese American, I talked about an experience. I brought it up very light, slightly, and I said, you know, when I was very young, I remember being in front of my school, and a little boy, um, a Caucasian white boy, coming up to me and said, "Go back to China." And I'm, I'm quite young, yeah. And I don't understand this comment, right? As a child, I don't understand that, and that I think triggered a lot of other for me. This feeling of other, you're different, and that triggered a lot of other things for me. Um, so there's there was that one example that I gave. It's cathartic for me. I exposed it. It it exposes it to you. In these workshops, I'm not asking people to share all those things. I'm asking us to explore this conversation and talk a little bit about where it is and how do we think about ourselves in relation to environment and how confident we feel so that we can start to know that there's something that's not about us, you know, that's wrong, but there might be something about how we feel in a certain environment and to understand those environments and how we might develop our confidence um, and what we can start to do in terms of how we want to spend our time, right? 2020 has taught us to has given us a long time to just sit down and think about how we want to invest our times and what we don't want to be doing. Um, so it's just really an encouragement to have a almost a relational, but you know, objective conversation about, about um, shame. So you asked me, Sandra, I'm not going to let this go. What I, um, what, what, what was one thing that I, uh, learned in 2020 or something that that's making me change how I feel about the future. What about you? The thing that I really discovered or rediscovered about myself, I guess, is how much I enjoy and need physical people interaction, like really being present in the environment and being able to soak up the energy in a room or in, in just in a general environment. To give you an example that I went to the park with one of my teams last week for the first time. So I saw these guys for the first ever um, for the first, I've been working for a year, like I said, with Nike. I've never seen those guys. Uh-huh. The difference in energy and just the overall sense of trust and laid backness, if that's a word, is so different in person than it is doing, I don't know, informal stuff, even on Zoom. I mean, we've had these kind of informal events where we do draw eyes or or uh, any uh, pictionary or whatever any other informal activity is it's just not the same like really what was different for you are you extra more extroverted yeah yeah i'm definitely more extroverted (laughs) um just the overall sense of being together and seeing how interaction affects people and Mm. and reading reading the expression on people's face and seeing more of a dynamics um, and just looking at people. I mean, I can look at you like like we're doing now on a, on a screen, but my preference would definitely be to record something personal. Uh, unfortunately, there's a little bit of water in between us. But I <laughs> definitely, I will be more than happy to get on a plane when I can. <laughs> try to be here for a Scrum Day Europe. Um, but... The, the difference in dynamics is just so huge to me. I hope it that's not, never going to happen again. Something that I do learn is that, and that I did learn about myself in that regard as well, is that I start to slack in these kind of uh, situations. Like this drains my energy. And therefore I notice that I'm starting to procrastinate things that I should do now, mm-hmm. or I just don't do them at all until someone rings a bell saying, Hey, you promised me promised to, uh, to do this. Why didn't ha- didn't it happen yet? Yeah, I couldn't. Well, go. what do you mean there? So is it um, is it so? The first thing you were talking about. What I'm what I'm wondering because I think a lot of people might be facing this is that Zoom or whatever we want to use, we're looking at other people, right? And so you're really concentrated on other people's faces, da, 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 and you are also concentrated on your own face and how 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 beautiful you look. And so I'm wondering <laughs> when you are just like normally with people, you remove some of that like self-consciousness or whatever um, about like how you look and how everybody's looking. You're just, you're just kind of letting some of that go. Like after you can get past that, how are we supposed to be together? You're just be, and you just are. And that's what I'm hearing from you that it removes some of those other, other boundaries and other things you have to worry about. Yeah. Like, 
to me it was very apparent when I'm um, when I'm with people and I'm getting fed energy basically and therefore I can do <laughs> stuff and I remember what to do when I like to do it now you sound like a monster rawr, rawr, rawr. Give me your energy. kind of <laughs> like yeah. Japanese anime <laughs> I'm one of those energy zombies now but, <laughs> um it it just was one of those really weird epiphanies where I just started, I got the feedback as well. Like you seem off, you seem distant. You seem, even though you're present, you're not present. And we, we, we could have a, di a discussion like this. And I would, on my, my, my second screen, I would be doing something completely different because, uh, a, I don't like this level of conversation, the way of communication via zoom, but B it's so easy to be distracted. Mm hmm. Um, that was an interesting thing where I was actually bringing that back to the, the, the shame thing. I was talking to some people and the disappointment. And then it came back to the shame conversation of how we felt bad that we couldn't always be focused. We felt bad that we weren't always motivated. You might like get up and just sit on the couch and you just like, I can't be on all the time. What is going on? I'm just not motivated. And you feel bad for not being, being there all the time. And that, that drives, you know, does that drive something further? And it'll be interesting to see, you know, does that affect how we parent or how we, how we act as coaches for teams? Because it's, it's not, there's, a, you know, we talk about this. It's not about operating at full capacity or anything. These things, not not that resource mode, but it gets into like, do you feel like a slacker? And I, I had that feeling too, to be honest. And what it did to me was that it started to make me doubt myself about who I was, what I could produce. And you have to remind yourself, like, you're a creative person or whatever it is that's your strength. These other things, they're not my strengths, but those things are my strength, and you're strong. You're a strong ass, you know, you're a strong ass man <laughs> that gets stuff done, right? That's super creative and pursues things. And we need those reminders so that it's not saying like, wow, I'm a really crappy mother or father and I'm not a great employee and I'm just not that motivated. And then you start to go down this spiral. And I had to, I climbed back out of it by someone reminding me who I was because I couldn't see it anymore. And that happened um, probably in the last three months, not two months for me. There are two very interesting. And I do that without people knowing. You're the only one I told, actually. And now everybody knows. <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing that. Hey, were... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Too bad for you. It's up. It's out now. And there are two very interesting things in there. Um, first, you mentioned about the way that we parent. And that kind of ties back to me, like being able to sit on the couch and do nothing. We seem in these days of, of having screens and, and digital things in abundance we seem to have this idea that we constantly have to keep our our children occupied and i fall that full for this trap myself quite regularly as well um where my kids say we're bored we want to do something we want to watch tv we want to play the xbox can i play a game on your on your on your mobile phone and it's so easy just to get rid of the nagging to say here you go have my phone play a game you're good and I'm I'm getting rid of the, the 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 nagging part, and they're happy. And that's stepping over the fact that it's really good for kids to be bored sometimes because that's where the creativity creativity starts. And it's the same with being able to sit down on a couch for a little bit and saying, "I just go into a vegetative state now. I'm not going to do shit. I'm good. I don't always have to be busy." And that's something that their COVID made me see and made me realize as well that the uh, the levels of output remain still very high, but the focus seems to shift on having a full utilization rate rather than having a creativity rate. Mm. And that comes to my second point. But what I find interesting in what you said is you started questioning who you are, and you tied that together with the things that you could put out the levels of your output why the why do your levels of output define who you are as a person uh super good question um i think it might have been it's that relationship the guilt right so the um the notion that you're sitting there you're not doing something and you can't see things getting done because you know i'm scrum right so that's i'm thinking about that 
And it's about what's not coming out. And I think that I am now at a thing where I'm thinking about the value that I produce in this conversation, what you just said, and also some previous ones are helping me think about those things. But I think it's because of this idleness, right? But what we do know, we know it is that when you're idle, when you're, when I'm out running or taking some time for myself or doing whatever, that creativity happens, those conversations happen. And that drives us to be more innovative, which is in itself another question, like how innovative were companies and people during COVID? Did they take that chance to explore new things? Did Zoom help people travel to new countries and classes and learn stuff? You know, that's a, that's a different thing, but um, I would say uh, in a long about way, now that I've thought about your question is that I'm refer- I revert back to the behaviors that I know and that I felt comfortable with. Right. So that notion of control, and that's what I'm trying to, to really manage is that the control of what you can see and do and those old behaviors, you revert, revert back to it. I revert back to a lot of things when I'm stressed Um so a lot of different behaviors as much as, you know, we, we talk about the adjunct stuff. And I think being aware of that is, um, is good. What happens to you when you miss out on the feeling of being in control? Um, like what's I your, think th- take us through your thought process. Oh, uh, that's hard. Um, there's, there's like a lot of, I've been, I was actually thinking about this the other day where in certain situations, it's like, you know, a lot of people do the DISC, that, that assessment, the consulting assessment of like your personalities and what you should do. And there are lots of situations where I seem like, I don't care. It's okay. Very relaxed about it. And then there are some situations where I'm like, I'm going to set you on fire. You're doing this the wrong way. (laughs) I am like, like, I like things, things, you know, inside the home or outside the home, how people conduct themselves, how they feel. There are just bits of control and you just, there's, 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 um, there's that shift that I've been just trying to be more cognizant of, of why do I feel the need? Why do I feel this way? What's going on? And then, you know, should I let a little bit of that go? However, if I'm pissed off, I usually go there first, but you just got to Listen, we're all work, work in progress, work in progress. Um, but that again comes from, I think some of the things, some aspects of that will come up to points of shame that I, I brought up, right? So again, family relationships, self-culture. And so there, there's things that I've experienced where I've tried to say, I can't control these things. I need to control this. I need to control my environment. I need to do that to feel safe, right? So again, that allows you to look at, have you grown up or are you sometimes in a, in a place that makes you feel like you're being dominated when you don't want to? Um, there's all these, these things that, that have to go. And it might be that I just didn't feel like I was always allowed to have free will or whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry. You had to feel like that. How does this, for instance, tie to you with the term human resources for me, um, to, to pitch why I asked this question. I've heard the term resources um, connected to people way too often in the, in the in the past year, and I really hate that term because it, it, it kind of initiates or uh, indicates that people are, yeah, resources like a box or like a laptop. Those things are resources, but people are people. How does this conversation and the way that you just dis- described your thought process, how could it translate to the workplace? When we think about, um, and I, I, I definitely want to hear some of your experiences that you've been you've been going through because I think those will be really valuable to the listeners. When I think about what we talk about and everybody trying to say, ah, oh, we got this agile culture. How we're going to, you know, put this agile culture in there in this environment uh, or this whatever. What I think about is the habits that we are trying to build. Because I don't think you can just go, here's this culture, right? I think that there's these habits of working together. And there are habits and behaviors that we want to be able to explore, which is one, we have to release this need to be able to predict everything. So some of the behaviors we saw during COVID was we know which teams will be 
we predict which teams will be okay if they work remotely. We predict which teams will be okay if they don't, right? Like this need to help somebody have control management to look at, say, okay, their, their output's going to be very good because they've been able to predict output before, right? Uh, uh, you know, been autonomous or whatever, right? There's a lot of layers in there that, that we can talk about. But um, so, so that, that judgment of because of what you produced before is we know that you're okay. So this need for prediction, what we're trying to do is remove that. Well, in our environments, um, in complex environments, we're trying to allow this, this environment of um, failure and learning. Right. And we're trying to invite that we should have this um, ability to be humorous and have humor in there. Right. So uh we failed. Let's do this again. You know, we're human. And if we don't first accept that we're humans, that one are very capable of doing some super exciting things in our normal day lives. That when we come back to the workplace, we we aren't we aren't allowed to do those things. Right now, there is a time and how everybody's thinking about what am I gonna do in the future? What is that expected of me? What is expected of me? Am I going to be um, am I not going to be relevant or my skills? I would ask people to think about in that flip way is that who do you want to work for? Which is, you know, a conversation we have. Who who should you invest your time in? Who's going to make you that bright light and challenge you and give you things that you want to get up and go for? Because I think we've all known that experience, whether we were working or not, where you know when you're in a good team because you've been in a bad one, where you get up and you're ready to go, where you get up and you're like, I don't want to go to work. In the future, these behaviors and these things that we're trying to develop in an organization, when you think about what HR produces or people management, how are we starting to think about those behaviors and habits? And if we believe that value starts from the team and that is how it's created, then what, what is you know the EBM stuff? What, what goal are they working toward? How do they know they're hitting the target? What do they want to do to hit that target? How is that creating a conversation and relationship back to the goals of the organization? All those things about what is it that's meaningful for us, which kind of circles back to what you said in the beginning was, you know, oh God, I forgot now. But something like that, that's what you said. <laughs> yeah, the, the part where your energy comes from. I mean, everyone has yeah. their spark, what really motivates them intrinsically and not just to pay the bills, but really because there is a purpose mm -hmm. to it. And I feel uh, it's also something that Gunther Vey mentioned in the, in this uh, this podcast series. Um, there has been this in this research where only about seventeen percent of the people are really engaged in their work, meaning that the rest either goes to their work just mindlessly, mm -hmm. pours in their energy and goes back as soon as they can, or e even worse. Um, try to, um, I did, what's the right word for that? Um, try to mess up things purposely because they really hate their jobs or their boss or, or their colleagues. That they're Let me ask you this. Is that okay? I was thinking about this recently. Which part? Is that, is that okay when someone just wants to, they make good money, they go to work, they might be very busy, it can be annoying, but they're okay. At like, they're okay with that. If they feel happy, if they're confident and they they feel happy and it's sustainable for them, it's it's fine. But I guess that would also mean a little bit more of a level of engagement because then apparently their job is something that they use as a tool uh, for a different purpose, not necessarily to pay the bills. Because I can't per se imagine that you go to your job in order to pay your pay your bills and that makes you happy. Um, yeah. If you mention it like this, I assume, I know assumptions are the mother of all F-ups, um, but I, I'm assuming that there is a higher purpose to why you just go to your job and just do your job and go back as soon as you can. Um, so the reason that I was asking this is, is I've, you know, there was this occasion where somebody was saying, you know what, but you know what, it's okay. I like it. It pays well. And, and that's it. And there might be a lot in there. And so that's one of, again, the aspects of, of um, shame in terms of self and culture, this notion of comparison to others and this, this ability to be, okay, you, you just want a job where you come in, 
and you leave and you don't have to take that home. And we, we should respect people who want to do that and they should choose where they want to be. We have to respect the type of people that want to be super creative and valuable and they can't divide that. They can't separate those lines, but this real, there's this real, like, you know, I don't know if people have felt, why does that person have the better job and they get all those opportunities or why can't I just be happy with my job and stop complaining? I need to, you know, put food on the table. That's again, that's one of the aspects of shame where it's an example of self and the culture where in America we're huge consumers um, status, right? It's a huge part of our society. But it does assert if you put it like this, that at least there is an open conversation about this. Like what's your motivation to work here? Hey, I just want to get paid and that's fine by me just knowing that means that there is an open conversation about it um, where I still feel that human resources is involved in way too much in just the utilization rate rather than um, the, the focus on the motivation, the intrinsic motivation of the employees. Like I was yeah. talking, what are you seeing there though? Cause you, you mentioned that the human resources part. Yeah. It, I feel that now that we finally crossed the, the, the whole barrier of, the majority of organizations now understand what business agility is. And I feel that the second step is this human resources part where hopefully the, the term human resources is going to evolve as well. Um, companies are nothing without their people. And therefore they should make sure that they are feeding and supporting their employees as good as, uh, as they possibly can, uh, possibly can. But it means that they should be having this conversation with each and every one individually like how can we help you best do your job is that just paying your salary is that something different um and it's also something that that i have a quite frequent discussion about is for instance um the annual review where i can pinpoint somewhere in my calendar saying in somewhere in november these and these managers are going to come up to me hey do you have any feedback on these and this persons uh, because their annual review is coming up like the entire year, you don't see them around. You don't interact with them. And the same with their managers. And then ultimately, they want to have indirect feedback in order for them to grade them. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that's really weird. I um, I think my opinion and a little bit of my experience here, what that is, is I would like to see some of that moved as close to the team as possible. Yeah, And then... The thing is, is that we're not saying, hey, HR or people management, if you change the word, you're just serving an administrative function, but your job is there to help the teams, um, the people, employees be safe and to foster a way that they can be better leaders and managers or whatever. So I have literally been on vacation where I'm sitting with a group of friends and they're all you know, they're working Saturday. What are you doing? Oh, I'm writing my reviews for my, my, my employees. It's the, the one year annual. I don't know. And I have to judge them on, and then I got to stack rank and I have to do all these things. And, you know, there's, there's an, a, a new, um, there was a friend and she was, she was a new manager. And she said, you know, I've got to do all these things and everybody used to get the best five stars full thing. And that's how their bonuses. And I'm telling them now that we're not going to do that this way. We're going to do it on merit. If I was someone who was educating her how to be um, a new manager, when you are, uh, first of all, there's already volatility on that team and to come in and say, we're going to change it up that way. You have to be very focused on why you're doing that and how you're actually trying to create that. You know, those are the behaviors. I would love to see more of that organizational psychology and the psychology bit that comes into it. But how are we operating and whether we're successful or not and what motivates us closer to the team? And the, the review things. And we all know the annual review is a lot of it's so subjective, but it's, um, and it's once a year. We, we know that. I think Jeff Sutherland talks about removing them entirely from his company. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? In the sense that we strive to inspect and adapt our product at least once per sprint and, and, and just investigate that the direction that we're going is still relevant. Yet our personal careers are only checked basically once a year. Mm. So when does a person know when to leave? I don't think there's a one answer to it. I think that's very much a a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation that you really have to have with with yourself. 
and that's I think that's that's the hardest part of uh, of of any of these conversations to be able to have a really good hard look at yourself, really accept the, the level of shame, any level of shame that you have, and say either this is not going to work for me, or this really works well for me, or where do I want to go? Does it really contribute to uh, things yeah. that I want to achieve in life? Ultimately, life will end. Do you really want to spend thirty percent of your life just chugging away? Yeah, that's that song. Do I stay or do I go? I guess you could talk yeah. about relationships also. Um, I think for me, the um, the thing if if people are interested in shame is to is to if they want to explore it, this notion that there are some things that you feel and that may have been bogging you down, and you know this about yourself. And I am going to assert that they may not be because of 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 you. They are because of something that has happened to you. And you have done, and you have interpreted that, and it makes you react to people in certain ways. And when you can let go of that, you will be in a different place um, of how you interact, not only with yourself but with others. I think it's Which also is- very telling about the other person. Like you, you were mentioning about um, your unfortunate experience when you came to school, and this kid was making remarks about your heritage. Guess it, where he learned that? Probably at home. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I mean, kids don't, they are not like that naturally. It says mm-hmm. a lot about them and their environments. And I guess that's, it's the same thing with bullying and work. It says a lot more about the issues that that person has than it says about you. Um, yeah, it took me a while to figure that out. <laughs> and that's just one experience. You know, there are people who just felt always burdened by, I don't know, their mothers their fathers yeah. always like you're, you're a piece of crap or whatever. You're amazing or whatever was fed to them. Um, those things will, will drive people to um, behave in a certain way. And the way that I actually really came to all this was this whole stereotype of tiger mother um, or whatever, like the, 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 the Asian woman or the whatever culture where you have to be best. And of course it's kind of true. Right. So we have that. And then it just helped me reflect and helped me think about, I've been exploring so many things like, why do I feel this way about boundaries? Um, why am I not able to think, show, you know, why do I think this notion of showing weakness is bad? Um, understanding that there are certain aspects where love is not conditional or unconditional, you know? Um, so it's, 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 it's a lot that drives you to become the way you are. You just have to, it's just recognizing it has been a super powerful thing. What do I do with that now? I don't know, but I feel better. I, I think it becomes it starts to become a muscle memory after a little while as well. Yeah, but we should also remember to feel. That's a good thing. There's, I think, COVID has made a lot of has dulled a lot some of our senses. Yeah, any any emotion that you have, it's okay to have. Like, don't try to ban it out. Just try to be um, productive with it. I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good conversation. I hope coaches especially think about that because this degree of psychology is what um, will be helpful with them in managing um, their their careers and also the conversations with their teams and also the very the very thing out there called power that people fight for in yeah. companies. Mm. Hey, as a last question, you mentioned uh, before that you weren't doing uh, too much public speaking because you didn't really get the feedback from the people. Now you're doing a talk on Scrum Day Europe, 8th of July, again, by the top of my head. How can people provide you with feedback? How can people interact with you? Um, I am not very good at Twitter. Um, I don't have a strong Twitter game, but if people want to interact, they can always contact me on LinkedIn with a little message. So I think um, my talk is around things that we learned um, from COVID in 2020 and what is that doing for the future of agile and work. And that's a, that's a great way to interact with me or just um, to find me. And then um, you are also doing one that's super cool. What is the name of your talk again? Um, I think the, 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 the name isn't really that relevant. It's more about what I mentioned before the effect of having very high utilized teams that are very efficient in output rather uh, or compared to people that really trust each other but are more focused on outcome for instance that is really easy to in these kind of situations to be focused on we got to get stuff done 
Whereas in being in the office or at least a couple of days, you would be focused a lot more about having conversations with people and, and dynamics and these kind of things. And um, that's going to be about this. Like, how do we move forward? What's the difference? And what has been my experience, like the level of trust that I experienced um, and the levels of engagements that I feel now, something that I started doing way too late, for instance, was doing one-on-one walks outside with my individual team members, which already worked magic on my overall demeanor and my uh, overall motivation. But there, are, So there are ways that you can really still connect with people. I just forgot. Yeah. And I hope that I can inspire people a little bit moving forward uh, in this um, new ways of working. My God. Outcomes, yes. Please. Thank you. Please will help everyone. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I'm still focused on output. Patricia, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Talk soon. I would like to thank our guest and you, the listener, for joining us again in this episode of Mastering Agility. This podcast is part of a series, so make sure to follow us on all the platforms that we provide. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Google Podcasts, you name it. Make sure to go to the website of agilitymasters.com to subscribe to the newsletter in order to stay up to date on the latest information. Check out the show notes and how you can engage with our guests and myself to provide feedback, ask questions, um, more general inquiries, whatever. I would love to hear from you. Next week, we have another amazing episode lined up, but make sure to tune in again. Until then.